Welcome to Southern Illinois Worship Center. Today, you'll be hearing a powerful message from our latest series. Let's listen in now. And in our worship, we have to have unrestrained worship. And here's why. If you cannot worship God without restraint, then He's not really the Lord over your life. Because if you are in control of your life, you are the Lord of your own life. May I also say that anything in your life that you don't turn into worship will turn into pride. And when you're in pride, you're the devil. Because pride is what brought him down. He wanted to be equal to God, like God. He wanted to ascend to the heavens. He wanted people to worship him. He wanted to have no authority and he wanted to be subject to no one. And so when we don't want to come under the authority of God and we don't want to worship God, what we're saying to God is, I don't want to be under your authority. And our nation struggles with authority. We struggle with authority in, in law enforcement. We struggle with authority in the church. And we, if we won't do what the pastor asks us to do. We won't do what God asks us to do. But yet then we'll come in and we'll say we worship. No, no, you're not worshiping. Jesus said it like this. These people are near to me with their lips, but they are far from me in their hearts. There's a distinction then in worship. If we can be near to him with our lips and far from him in our hearts, there is an inner essence of worship and there is an outer essence of worship then. The inner essence of worship is our hearts. The outer thing is how we express that. And I see all kinds of people who are very expressive in worship, but really are not nearer to God even after the fact. They'll lose their minds in a worship service, but go out and sin in the parking lot. But at the inner essence of worship, Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is that they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Spirit, the inner essence of worship, it's the spirit. When we worship God, we are worshiping him for the character of that he is. So I worship God because I trust God. Why do I trust God? Because I know God's character. How do I know God's character? I know God's character by experience. I know that God has taken care of me in the past. He'll take care of me now. And he's going to continue to take on. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the more you know the character of God and the more you know about God, then the easier it is for you to worship God. But what we do is when we first get saved, I don't know if you know this or not, when you first get saved, you relinquish control over your life. Because the book of Romans says that you call upon the name of the Lord. Lord meaning supreme one, sovereign over our life. No greater authority. You're saying there's no greater authority in my life than you, Jesus. I want you to be the Lord, sovereign over my life. You're relinquishing control at that moment. Here's what you're relinquishing control of. You're relinquishing control of your past. You're saying, I'm going to, I know that you're able to take care of my past. I have sins. I have failures. I have all these things in my life. I'm surrendering my past to you. You're the Lord over that. You're sovereign over that. I can't do anything with it. So I'm giving it to you and I'm asking you to be the Lord over it. And you wipe that away. We trust him with that, right? Not only that, we're trusting him then in that moment for our future. Because if you're saved, then you're going to go to heaven. So you trust that what Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, that you may be also. So you trust him with your past and then you're trusting him with your future. Most of us then struggle though to let go of our present. We do this in every service. The Holy Spirit's moving across the place. The same God who took care of our past and who we know has secured our future, we're struggling to let go of what we're dealing with right now. 
And so then we want to enter into worship, but you cannot enter into worship if you're trying to hang on to the situations that are in your life. Because if he is Lord over your life, then you should relinquish control over those things. The psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 3, it's going to appear on the screens in the Message Bible. And I love the way that this is translated. And it's interesting that David wrote this psalm as he's being forced out by his son Absalom. This is the lowest moment of his life. He is losing his kingdom. He has betrayal all around him and he's headed out. And he says in Psalm 40 and verse 3, the Lord has put a new song in my mouth. He has put a new song in my mouth, and there, uh, there are other people that are going to witness this new song that God has given to me, and they will enter into the mystery. What is that mystery? The mystery is what we have experienced throughout all the day. You just cannot articulate how good God is. You cannot articulate all the things that you feel when God begins to move in a church service. I think we scared a lot of people at the 11 o'clock service. We were casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead spiritually. And there's some people who've never seen anything like that. But the world needs to see a church with unrestrained worship and unrestrained prayer and unrestrained boldness, unrestrained vision, unrestrained pursuit of Almighty God. And it may scare them for a little while, but then they realize, hey, that's what God really wants to do. He wants to set us free and let us lose control of the things of our life. And we'll just sit here and worship while God works. So David's writing this psalm. He says, they're entering into this mystery. And now they will begin to worship God with abandon. Now, the word abandon means to relinquish control over another individual or over a situation. Just abandon that. Some of us want to have control over other people. We have sons and daughters who aren't saved. We have unsaved family members, and we're trying to manipulate a way to get them saved. How about we release them to God, and we'll just worship and let God do the work? Right, because Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that we can send those ministering spirits or ministering angels to them that shall be. That's a promise. To them that shall be heirs of this great salvation. So we can stand here and worship and just dispatch God's angels to go do the work on our behalf to them that aren't yet in the salvation, but they shall be. They, they shall be here. And so we get worried and we're, uh, we get sick about it. We're nervous about it. We can't worship because man, where are they at? I invited them to church. They didn't come. Listen, you just worship. And you relinquish control of that situation to God. And you just worship while God works. What we want to do is we want to work so that we get to worship. See what I did? Look what I accomplished. Look at what I wrote. You know, I, look, at what I, look at the song I sang. I did the work. No, no. We just planted a seed and other people watered, but God always, God is always the one who gives the increase. And that's why I say anything that you have in your life that you don't turn back into worship is going to turn into pride because you're going to say, look what I did. And pride is what brought Lucifer to a fall. Said, I want to be like God. And God said, here's what Jesus said about that same situation. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So the way up in God is to get down in your worship. The way to fall down in the presence of God and out of the presence of God is to elevate yourself. I'm going to read you just a couple of verses that 
God gave me, I shouldn't say God gave me, God instructed me to go read last night when Ed Ellis was leading prayer meeting. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James. I was reading it last night out of the Amplified Classic because I, I like to have peace in my house. I'm listening to commands that I read it out of the Amplified Classic. Five versions is what she says. This is the New King James. It says, thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness for my salvation is about to come. And my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this. Does what? Keeps justice, does righteousness. That's who's blessed. And the son of man who lays hold on that. Who keeps from defiling the Sabbath. And keeps his hand from doing any evil. Now, because Christ came, the Bible says that the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. So if the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ, why are you working so hard to get salvation? We've all been taught these principles, man. We got to work our way, work our way, work our way, work our way. We got to work for it. We got to work for it. If the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ so that you can have rest, why are you working so hard? It becomes a matter of pride that it won't happen unless I involve myself in it. Let me just use me as an example, right? For years, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take vacations. I'd be here every Sunday because we couldn't have church unless Pastor Jason was here. And so what I was saying is, I'm the Lord over the house, instead of him being the Lord over the house. And I was violating Sabbath because I didn't trust that God would take care of it when I wasn't here. Now, I'm just using me as an example. You can say, oh, yeah, that preacher, he's a sinner. But y'all violate the Sabbath, too, because you stayed up all night long worrying about the situation. That you're trying to fix it in your own life because you don't trust that God can fix it while you're sleeping. And so you've you got migraines and you're stressed out. Your sugar's going crazy. Your blood pressure's going crazy. You're taking a stress test every day because you're worried about it. How about you just relinquish control of that to God and watch him do it and you take rest. I didn't think I was going to preach this much for you, Alicia, but here you go. Then verse 3, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am, a dry tree. I mean, last night when Ed was talking about this, it, it just stuck. And I felt like I wasn't paying attention to you, but I was paying attention to everything you were saying because God was talking to me at the same time. Ed was telling us last night, that in this next season of our church, there are going to be people that you normally wouldn't pray for that you're going to have to pray for. There's the people that you would normally not associate with that you're going to have to associate with. And what we do, for some reason, when we, when we get saved, we love everybody. And then after we get churchified, we don't like anybody. Y'all know what I'm saying? Man, when you get done praying at the altar, you're hugging everybody and loving everybody. And by three years down the road, you've gotten so pharisaical, you don't even like those people who prayed you through to the Holy Ghost. Churchified. So what, what the Lord is saying here through Isaiah, he said, I want you to tell them that the foreigners, the people who were not born in this place, they're coming. They're coming, right? Now, the, the sad state of it is, is that we believe that all of us were born in the kingdom of God. 
No, no, you were born again into the kingdom of God. At one time, you were a sinner and filled with sin and had iniquity in your life. And you were just like the people you don't like. But then Jesus came into your life and you got saved and now you dressed right. But then we get a bigotry and prejudice against people who are foreign to what we are experiencing right now. So he said, I want you to tell them that the foreigners are coming. Not only the foreigners coming, but the eunuchs are coming. The people who could not produce. People could not produce anything. Those people are coming too. And most people don't like people to come to church who can't produce anything. Right? They don't give big tithe. They don't give big offerings. But I mean, let me say something to you. When they come into the presence of God, they may not have been hireable before they got to God. But after they get God, God's going to pour out blessings over their life that they want to have room enough to receive. I bet your, ble- your finances were a mess prior to you trusting God with them. I could be here to four o'clock teaching this stuff. So people who could not produce before, he said, don't let those people who could not produce before, do not let them say, I am a dry tree. Do not let them self-confess that just because their past was unproductive, that their future will also be unproductive. He said, because when they come to me, when they cry out to me, when they keep their hand from doing evil, when they honor the Sabbath, when they're calling out to my name, I will take people who are unproductive. I will take people who are physically unable to do these things. I will perform a work in their life that they're naturally unable to do, but spiritually they're going to be more than capable to do it. I'm that guy. All of us were unable to produce anything spiritually until the presence of God invaded our lives and overwhelmed us and overtook us. I couldn't put two words together if it wasn't for the anointing of the Holy Spirit over my life. So you can't take credit for anything that you're doing that's productive because it's God who is anointing you to do things that you normally could not do. And that's why in your flesh, you feel unqualified. Anybody ever feel unqualified in church? Can I raise both my hands and both my feet? People say, oh, pastor, you make it look so easy. We are just like ducks on water, baby. I mean, underneath is like this, and up here we're like this. Before I walk up here, I'm scared to death. Every service. At the 9 o'clock, I didn't know what to say, so I leaned over to Pastor Michael and said, go grab a mic. Because he makes it look so easy. But all of us. When we're walking in by by faith and walking into God and losing control, it will make you feel unqualified. And that's when you know you're in the will of God. Because you can't claim credit for anything that happens because you're not qualified to make it happen. Psalm 29, and then I believe it's in Psalm 86, and I'll close. It says, in the NIV Bible, it says, ascribe to God the glory that is due his name. The King James, the New King James, and other translations say, give unto God. But the word ascribe means to give to an individual something that only they deserve. So we give God glory because glory and worship are something only God deserves. Now, I want you to think about it. He said, ascribe unto the Lord the glory that is due his name. So you have to start thinking about all the things that God has done. And then push that towards God and say, I'm giving glory to your name because you did this. 
and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. You gave us Isaac. You healed somebody of cancer. You delivered somebody at the 11 o'clock. You healed somebody at the 9 o'clock. Last week God was moving. This week God is moving. And we just begin to give glory to God. And all of a sudden, when you start thinking about the goodness of God, it ought to cause a worship in you that is unrestrained. Nothing holding you back because God has done so much for you in your life. March the 18th of 1978 is a, a day in my family. It's a monumental day in my family. In 1961, on March the 18th of 1961, the, the enemy stole my grandfather from us. My, my natural dad was 10 years old when his dad died. My dad was born in 1951. In 1961, my grandfather passed away at a ripe old age of 30 years old, 32 years old. And he's buried out here in Blairsville. And so my family grew up, it, what most people would say, would be a generational curse because we had the statistics to prove that we would all wind up sinners because there was not a male figure in our lives. But on March the 18th of 1978, on a wood pile on Brookfield Street in South Bend, Indiana, about seven blocks from the church that I was saved in, my father was out being drunk at the wood pile, chopping wood with a dirty, hairy pistol on his side. He was a rebel rouser and quite the individual. And the Lord began to move on his life. And as the Lord moved on his life, he walked through the house, grabbed the car keys, drunk, and drove down to the church. And as he drove down to the church, the Lord began to move on his life, and he began to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and his life was forever changed. So when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, then my soul has to cry out, hallelujah. It has to be an unrestrained worship because at that day in 1978, God broke a generational curse off of my family and produced a generational blessing and he can do the same for you in your life if you'll just begin to give him glory and ascribe to God what's due his name and everything is due his name I'm sure you can tell me stories too what happened in your life and every time I took my dad to the doctor in 2018 and by the way it was March of 2018 and every time I would take my dad to the doctor, the doctor started asking questions. My dad couldn't speak very well. And he said, do you drink? I've drunk since March the 18th, 1978. Have you, do you smoke? I've smoked since March the 18th, 1978. So the next week at the doctor's appointments, the doctor asked. And I said, he hasn't smoked and he hasn't drank since March the 18th of 1978. And the doctors all would say, what is so important about that day? And then, oh my goodness. You line them up and knock them down, baby. That was the day I was rolling in the floor and the Lord delivered me and I'm no longer an alcoholic, but I'm drunk on Jesus. That's when you get unrestrained worship in your life. And we need it in God's house. Unrestrained worship. Ball players have this little statement. It says, leave it all on the field. Just leave it all on the field. What they're saying is all the preparation, all the practice, all the weightlifting, all the drills, all that, it's over. When it's game time, we have to put everything we have and we've learned and we've practiced and we thought about and been taught, we leave it all out there so we can win. The church knows more about worship than any other generation of church people. We have more teaching. We have the Bible in every way you can imagine. We have all the practice. We have all the drills. The church now has to enter into the field 
and put into practice what we've been learning. And when we get out there, leave it all on the field. Because this is our one shot to give glory to his name. Amen. Just one chance. Just one chance to give glory to his name. Do you know how much you're worth to God? You're worth the only begotten son. Now I'd ask you, how much is God worth to you? Is he worth this? Is he worth this? Or is he worth everything that you have? And to worship him with all of your might, your soul, and your strength. The outer essence of worship combined with the inner essence of worship is they that worship him in spirit and in truth. I've said this all day just because of an encounter I have with God in Florida this past week, but it is an honor to be the pastor of this great church. And more than ever before, I know that God called Melissa and I here. And 2022 is going to be the best year this church has ever had. And it has nothing to do except with him. I asked Pastor Michael, I guess it was 2018. Pastor Michael and Michael were getting ready to leave town. And I didn't feel like they should leave town. So one day I texted him and we were standing in church. God was moving in the church service. And I just texted him and said, I'd really like for you to come to the one o'clock service. If you, any way you can get here, you get here. I want you to come. And I just knew that the Lord was going to speak to him. Because the Lord was speaking to me. And, but God likes to work on both sides of the equation. So he came. He had just got done preaching and he came to the church service and the Lord was moving in that place. It was a one o'clock service. We were standing down here. Pastor Melissa was singing the same song she sang today that the team was. We went into the room in the green room after service and I just said, Pastor Michael, do you think that God is done with you in Southern Illinois? Do you think that God called you to Southern Illinois? Are you just leaving because you're tired and you're wore out and dealing with church people just makes pastors go crazy? Is that why you want to go? And he said, I feel like the Lord called me to Southern Illinois. And I said, great, I want you to come on staff here and I want you to partner with me. Because what God is preparing for us to do, we cannot do it by ourselves. And I asked the nine o'clock this, do you feel called to Southern Illinois? called to change it not complain about it change it we got enough complainers to change it and my father used to tell me as a young man especially when it came to the church which is one of the reasons why I pastor he said if you don't like something that's going on you cannot complain about it unless you're actively involved in it so if you don't like worship are you actively involved in it if you don't like the singing, are you actually actively involved in it? If you don't like the preaching, are you actively involved in it? If you don't like the direction of the church, are you actively involved in it? If the church isn't friendly, are you actively involved in making it friendly? Don't complain about it unless you're going to get actively involved in it. I wish they'd sing a different song. Then write one. 
because God's going to do something amazing. And I need every one of you in 2022 to be unrestrained. Unrestrained in your worship, unrestrained in your boldness, unrestrained in your vision, unrestrained in your prayer and fasting, unrestrained in every area of your life without restraint. And if there's anything holding you back, you need to let it go right now. Paul said, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward. You have to let go here to grab a hold of this. You, you got to let go of the things that are restraining you and grab a hold of everything that God has for you. You cannot worry about your past. You cannot worry about past mistakes, past decisions. You cannot worry about any of that stuff. Forget it. And let's go. And let's have a move of God and revival in Southern Illinois. You stand with me across the building. Pastor Evan, you and your team have been amazing all day. So Wednesday night, the 11 o'clock didn't get this announcement, so you're all going to have to tell them. Wednesday nights in this building, people have asked me over the last few years, what are you going to do with this sanctuary when we move into the other one? And we've, we've batted things around. Number one, I need to give PJ a break. He's been building for six years. And I said, when Ed Ellis was talking last night, I just said, okay, Lord, I yield to that. I said, Walked over to Miss Helen and I said, Wednesday nights, we're going to make this a house of prayer. So Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, this sanctuary is a prayer room. You're invited to come. Don't, listen, as always, we don't take attendance. But if you want to be here, we want you here. We'll be leading in prayer. Some people will be leading in prayer. But we're going to turn this into a house of prayer. Because Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. May God be with you. May God go with you. And remember, all things are possible. And God's the God of miracles in your life. And may you receive one this week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to check out our podcast weekly. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit SIWCenter.org to find out more information about Southern Illinois Worship Center. Be sure to join us right here next week.